0: The Blevins Franks Report, with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, this Sunday morning on Radio Radio, it's Bonfire Night, we can't forget that. Um, good morning, Rob, how are you doing?
1: I'm very well, Howard. I'm, I'm in France, so finding a guy to burn on the bonfire is difficult here. They have no concept of uh, Guy Fawkes here. No, oh well, I guess not. Never mind, they're lost, eh? Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Well, last week we focused on listeners' questions, and as the latest inflation number has just been released, specifically the listeners' questions about that subject, one listener asked what she could do to protect her investments and savings from inflation, which of course prompted more questions along the same lines. So, this morning, I'd like to discuss this very important subject. However, before we discuss investments, what caught your eye in the news this week?
1: Well, I'm I'm sure it was nothing to do with our conversation about inflation last Sunday, Howard, but true to its word, that it has ended its hiking cycle, the European Central Bank voted to hold interest rates at 4% this week. The Bank's Governing Council highlighted the fact that inflation has dropped markedly, as he described it, from 4.3% in September to 2.9% in October. And if rates are maintained at this level for a sufficient duration, they will make a substantial contribution to bringing inflation back back down to the 2% target. Commentators describe the decision as a no-brainer and the collective opinion seems to be that this time the ECB have got it right and their decision makes sense. Signaling higher for longer is also a very smart move because it will encourage markets not to anticipate rate cuts too soon so when they do come, they should have the maximum impact. There can also be an opportunity on the horizon for second homeowners if MP David LeBaron of President Macron's Renaissance Party gets his way. To solve what he described as a housing crisis with prices that are way too high, he has proposed a radical solution to encourage the owners of second homes to sell their properties. He is advocating the temporary suspension of CGT, capital gains tax, on the sale of second homes. Laboron believes lots of people are simply keeping hold of properties because they have to own their second homes for a full 22 years to avoid CGT and also 30 years to avoid the investment social charge. Now he specifically said he was not aiming this at foreign owners because we don't want to make our foreign friends flee because they contribute substantially to the French economy. But he has proposed that local councils liaise with the national housing associations and the housing agency to identify properties that fall into this category, speak to the owners and then encourage them to sell. Quite bizarre, really. Now, sticking with parliamentary matters, a French senator has managed to submit an amendment to France's immigration bill, which is aimed at creating a new five-year visa for foreign nationals who are second home owners. Under this amendment, for want of a better way of describing it, foreign nationals would be allowed to apply for a special, very long-stay visa that would allow them to remain in France for up to six months each year um, at the time of their choosing. The visa would be valid for five years, and it would substantially lighten the formalities that non-EU nationals face when they want to spend longer in France than is currently permitted. As we discuss frequently during this broadcast, visa formalities have caused lots of problems for British second home owners, especially those who bought French properties before Brexit when the rules were much more flexible. As my colleague Jason Porter explained a few weeks ago, on this broadcast, at the present time, the only option is to apply for a temporary long-stay visa each year, which can involve lots of time and expense. Now, last Sunday... We all enjoyed an extra hour in bed as the clocks fell back to save daylight hours. But this biannual change continues to be a controversial subject. An online consultation organised by the French Parliament way back in 2019, 84% of respondents were in favour of ending the clock changes. 60% of the participants said that they had negative experiences, such as problems with sleeping and with eating which is certainly a problem that our dog has had this week because he just can't stay asleep. Clock changes were first introduced way back in 1916 before they were then abandoned in 1944. They were reintroduced by the European Union in September 1975 to help save energy by providing more daylight hours. In 2018, the European Commission proposed reversing the change, but when the planned date came around in 2019, the European Parliament deferred it until 2021. Now, two years on, and the clock change issue is still to be resolved. Now, can you guess why? Yes, you've guessed it. It's being blamed on Brexit and COVID. <laughs> I remember years
0: ago, the clocks went back in the UK and out of a week difference to, to Europe. And that really confused yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That really confused yeah. things. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, now we're in sync. But well, one thing we're in sync with, the UK and, and Europe, part post-Brexit, is moving the clocks at the same time. <laughs> we, can we have set. to be in sync with something, Howard. Yeah, there has to be something, <laughs> yeah. You always, you always find something if you look hard enough, don't you? Something good. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Well, as time flies, Rob, with less than 60 days of 2023 to go, how has this year been from an investment perspective?
1: Uh, well, it, it's probably best to describe as starting brightly, Howard. There, there was optimism that a new year would bring a new start, but, but as the year has gone on, that enthusiasm has certainly waned, even though our governments and central banks look like they are now starting to get the measure of inflation. Overall, most of the world's stock markets are quite neutral, and whether there are positive uh, territory, or whether are in positive territory, foreign investors have not been able to benefit from the positive performance, simply because exchange rates have gone in the wrong direction. A perfect example of this is Japan, which is having one of its best years for 30 years, but to invest in Japanese stock, we have to spend more euros, which in turn has negated the equity gains. If you're a pure investor in equity investor, 2023 has been something of a mixed bag. Some stocks have done well, while others, as we would have expected to have done well, have been adversely affected by the world events that we all know about. Higher base rates have resulted in bank accounts paying interest on savings accounts, the like of which we have not seen for 10, maybe 15 years. But that is definitely only a short-term blip, because as we have seen, everything is being done to drive down inflation. When it's under control base rates will be brought down, and those seemingly attractive savings rates will be back to where they were two years ago. Higher interest rates have also driven up bond yields, which in turn has driven down bonds' capital values. That has been a big issue for most multi-asset portfolio managers because it's created a not-so-perfect storm of both bonds and equities going backwards at the same time. Now, on the flip side of all this, 2023's negativity Um, is making me feel like 2024 could be very, very positive. I think it would be one of those years when if you sit on your hands and wait to see how opportunities unfold, you'll have missed one of those opportunities in the investment markets that probably could be described as only coming around a few times during our lifetimes. How should investors deal with stock market volatility? Um, I, I completely understand the problem. Big investment market swings can be difficult to handle, especially for new investors. There's still a lot of uncertainty out there because of interest rates, property prices, and everyday commodities that are still expensive and and adding to the fueling of inflation. Investment markets react to these factors on a daily basis. But if you have a diversified investment portfolio, which is master your risk profile, history shows, slow and steady, always eventually wins the race. The best performing portfolios are the ones that spend time in the market. The most important thing is to always remember what you're investing for. We can't avoid short-term volatility, but if we have a long-term time horizon, historically, stock markets go up and you need to have the discipline to stick with your plan. Every longer-term plan is affected by market conditions. Dips and corrections happen. They can't be avoided. As regular listeners will will have heard me say many, many times before, the media must continually write and rewrite attention-grabbing hour day headlines, which can be... Easily uh, turn your head, and uh, you know, especially with scary-sounding events such as um, economic bubbles, bear markets, market crashes, corrections, death crosses, and the flavour of the month right now is that word recession. We also can't ignore the fact that when investment markets drop, investors are presented with a unique opportunity to invest. If you're sitting on a pile of cash, now could be a very good time to get that cash working harder for you. It's impossible to predict if the stock markets will be positive in 2024. As I mentioned earlier, but the best investors in history have not been able to time the market. The best advice is, have a plan, stick with it, and keep on investing. Turning
0: to James, I assume these difficult markets have made reviews especially difficult this year.
2: Yeah, it's not nice having these conversations with clients when markets have fallen, but overall our clients are very understanding. The majority have had investments for some time, either with us or with a previous advisor, and understand that there are good years and bad years, but over time markets go up. I I find it really helps when reviewing a client's situation to not just look at the 12-month performance, but also go back to the start to show how much was initially invested, withdrawn, and the current valuation, as often there's still lots of profit that's built up over time, and even after a difficult few years of investment markets, this often reassures clients that they've made the right decision to invest the funds, but also to r- remain invested through the difficult times. Going back to the pound coin I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that's uh, been in circulation for the past 40 years, having invested £1 40 years ago into global equities, it was now worth £8.81 over this time we've had black monday in 1987 when the dow jones international average plunged almost 22 percent the biggest single day decline in stock market history we've had the dot-com bubble burst in 1999-2000 the 2008 financial crisis and then recent years following covid 19 yet there has still been significant growth over the total period um so really meeting meeting clients and, and talking this through with them is is very important and provides huge comfort I met with some clients last week that told me because of what they've been reading in the news, they were scared to look at their portfolio evaluation and were nervous to come and see me. Once we finished the meeting, they told me how relieved they were having spoken to a professional and not just sticking their head in the sand. Their portfolio has fared much better than expected, and there's still a lot of profit since they invested, which, which they hadn't thought about.
0: Is there a way to predict which asset class will perform best over a specific period?
2: No, there's there's no way to accurately predict how each asset class will perform year on year. For example, real estate was one of the worst performers in 2020, but was one of the top performers in 2021, likewise for, for UK equities. Compared to other equity markets, recently the performance has been mediocre at best, but last year it significantly outperformed with a slightly positive return compared to the losses seen by other equity indexes. It makes having a well-balanced and diversified portfolio key for medium to long-term growth, Not only just several asset classes, but geographic locations as well. As as Robble has said over the years, past performance is not a guide to future performance and may not be repeated. So it's not not a case of looking at what's performed well historically and then just investing in that. And that's not just to say we have to invest in a broad mix of assets and leave it. A well thought-out financial plan and understanding underlying investments need to continuous input and tweaking over time to adjust for personal circumstances and different market outlooks.
0: I understand managing your clients' cash accounts and cash flow modelling is an important part of a client review, especially these days.
2: Yeah, cash management's always been important. That starts with a cash account within an assurance V and not a bank account outside. Having the cash account inside the structure so that cash management can be done without generating a tax liability and reporting gives additional flexibility. And we find that cash accounts within the structure are actually not that common, especially when dealing with banks. In terms of managing the cash, going back 25 years or so, there'll be much higher yields coming into the cash account than there has been over recent years, with extremely low interest rates over the past 15 years. The income being paid into the cash accounts has dropped, and we need to manage this in a slightly different way. It's it's really important to work with our clients to understand their income needs to allow us to top up the cash account over time to cover their income needs As I said, the yields coming into the cash account have decreased, so now we need to look at the additional, or look to take the additional profit we're seeing from within the funds and at appropriate times. We look to do this when there's profit and not move money to cash for investments while they're down. For some clients, this even makes them feel more comfortable investing in a slightly more adventurous way than they otherwise would, knowing they have the cash buffer to one side ready for upcoming withdrawals that has been taken from growth when available and not just taking money when needed, no matter what the portfolio is doing. You mentioned cash flow flow modelling and it is a useful tool as anyone taking income from their investments wants to know that, is, that it's sustainable really and, and how long it will last. For example, some clients like to make sure that their income it, that they are taking doesn't significantly reduce their valuation over time, whereas others, others are happy to use growth and capital to fund their income and, not, and want to know approximately when their funds will run out. For others, it it's given, gives them a bit of a guide really of how much income you can take uh, and and plan future withdrawals accordingly uh so it's something that not all clients need but a handy tool to be able to provide when when required and goes hand in hand with the strategic financial planning we undertake
0: i suppose it's horses for That's, courses
2: it is yes it is
0: last week rob you referred to compounding can you explain what
1: this is <laughs> Yeah, absolutely heard um The best description is probably um, something that Albert Einstein uh, referred to. He called compounding as the eighth wonder of the world. And he is supposed to have said, he who understands it, earns it, he who doesn't, pays it. If I offered you one million euros or a magic euro cent coin, which doubles in value every day for 30 days, most people would probably take the million. But that would be a big mistake because that eurocent that doubles every day will be worth more than 5 million euros on day 30. After the broadcast, get a piece of paper and try it out. If you do the exercise, you'll see that in the later stages, the effects of compounding are breathtaking. Now, in the early years, the impact is a little bit more subdued. On day 10, the, the magic eurocent is only worth 5 euros. By day 20, it's north of 5,000 But in the last three or four days, that's when the vast sums are made. To maximise the benefit of compounding, we need to keep fees and taxes to a minimum to ensure as much as possible gets reinvested. But if you can add more to the pot, then compounding goes up to another level. If you invested €5,000, then add 2000 a year and it grows at 7%. You'll have half a million in 40 years, but over a million just 10 years later. If you invest 2150 and achieve 7% growth, you'll have a million in 50 years. But to do this over 15 years, you would need to invest €34,000 every year. Now, that's a lot of numbers, but I'm sure you get the idea. If you're able to allow your gains to compound, your gains gradually make gains on top of gains, which is probably the best lesson any grandparent out there can can teach their grandchildren. (laughs) Quite... Well, another listener asked what an ETF is. <laughs> Exchange traded funds, Howard, are bought and sold on stock exchanges in the same way as you would trade normal shares. They are they are more more mostly passively managed. Their their aim is to track the performance of a particular market rather than beat it. As an actively managed fund attempts to, ETFs are available on a range of indices, sectors, themes and commodities index providers are continually launching new indices for us to track. Now because they are largely passive, ETFs tend to have lower fees than active funds and because there has been so much competition between providers, that has driven the prices down even further. ETFs come in two main types, physical and synthetic. A physical ETF invests in the asset it tracks For example, an FTSE 100 ETF will invest in FTSE 100 stocks in proportion to their weighting in the index itself. A synthetic ETF agrees a swap with a third party, typically an investment bank, which agrees to pay the ETF a return based on the index's performance. Many investors prefer ETFs because they see them as less vulnerable to unexpected risks, such as the dangers that the counterparty to the swap won't pay out. That said, UK or European-based synthetic ETFs must hold collateral to to back these swaps, which means the risks could be very limited.
0: Finally, can you remind us how easy it is to miss the
1: best days when investment markets move? Joe's touched on this before. um, Trying to time the market has got plenty of risk, but, but maybe the biggest risk is probably the risk of missing out. Exiting the market to reduce risk during, during a downturn um, in that market can mean missing some of the biggest rebound days. To put it another way, by selling when the market is near the bottom, you can easily miss out on the best upside. Morningstar recently published the results of analysis they had carried out on the reasons why investors have missed out on performance over the past 10 years. Their findings were quite sobering. If you stayed fully invested for the whole 10 year period, your investment would have doubled in value. However, if you'd missed out on just the best 5 days, your return would have reduced by 40%. And if you missed out on the best 10 days, you'd have missed out on 60% of the overall gain. That still means you would have made a 40% gain over that 10-year period, which we shouldn't forget was far better than what you would have achieved with a cash cash deposit, despite what cash deposits have paid over the past few months, maybe a couple of years. But, and it's a big but. If you missed out on the best 30 days during that whole 10-year period, that's less than 1% of the whole period. Over the last 10 years, your investments would have been underwater. They would have not made you one single euro cent. As I said, I find the results quite sobering and a timely reminder that jumping in and out of the market rarely works. These days, bespoke investment planning doesn't need to be expensive. It should form part of our overall strategic planning. So to understand how having your own bespoke strategic financial plan can improve your life, call Blevins Franks and arrange to speak to one of our local Blevins Franks partners. The initial discussion is complimentary, so call today to arrange a call or a face-to-face meeting. Our telephone number in France is zero four nine three zero zero one seven eight zero. That's zero four nine three zero zero one seven eight zero. And if it's more convenient to contact our Monaco office, the telephone number of our Monaco office is 97775574. That's Monaco, 97775574. And if you'd like to know more about Blevins Franks or if it's easier to contact us via the internet, visit our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. We'll talk again next week. Thank you very much, Howard. Look forward to it. Have a great week.
0: The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493 001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com.
1: How much inheritance tax will your family pay in France? French succession tax can significantly reduce the amount your heirs inherit from you. Take action now so the right people benefit from your estate. You may not realize how much tax you can save by having a succession health check. Talk to the specialists at Blevins Franks for personalized and effective solutions. Contact Blevins Franks on 0493 or visit blevinsfranks.com.